Hi, this is Alina Kanner and Megan Barrington, and you're listening to Move Your Brain, Move Your Body podcast, where we dive into all things health, wellness, and fitness. We are two certified athletic trainers who met and graduated together from the University of Arkansas, and we wanted to do this podcast to spread our joy about treating our bodies well through nutrition, exercise, and knowledge. Today on the podcast, we have eight mentors in the fitness industry who have joined together to offer a free educational community devoted to elevating females in health and fitness. Currently on today's episode, we have Katie St. Clair out of Charleston, South Carolina, Alina Kanner out of Brooklyn, New York, Lucy Hendricks out of Lexington, Kentucky, Dr. Michelle Boland out of Boston, Massachusetts, Erin Murray out of Boston, Massachusetts, Stacey Shadler out of Boston, Massachusetts, and Krista Laswell out of St. Louis, Missouri. They're creating a weekly masterclass and anyone who associates with being a woman, a she, her, or non-gender bias will be able to access the every presenter's online presentation with Q&As as a resource to promote education in the health and fitness industry. Today's podcast is a preview of this masterclass. I will be the only host for today's episode, and I am super excited to get started and ask these ladies a ton of questions about what they are bringing together to offer the world right now. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, everyone, to Move Your Brain, Move Your Body podcast. We are so excited to have you on here. It's only going to be me talking today because um, Alina is one of the people we're questioning, but well, I'm super excited to be interviewing every single one of you. So we're going to start with Katie. Um, Katie, how did you get started with this whole idea? Um, where did this come from? <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting question. I think um, the overarching idea I had been thinking about for about a year now, and it was something I wanted to do was kind of create a community of women in the fitness industry that had similar, I don't want to say ideals and values, I always say that, but it's more like um, ability to want to mentor and be leaders and create an environment that elevates all women. And I, so I had been thinking about it and like, I wonder what something like that would look like. And then um, I was on Rebel Performance, um, their podcast. And at the end of the podcast, I had talked a lot about Empowered Performance, which is my program and it's women only. Um, And I was talking to Kyle and as he and James and they were like, well, we think you shouldn't allow men because I asked them, should I open this course up to men also? What would you think about that? And they were like, honestly, so here they are, two men telling me that women are underserved in the industry and this is a huge niche and I need to keep it that way because that's my target market my audience. And this was about two days into like the whole COVID thing exploding. And that night I literally woke up at like three in the morning and I was like, Oh my God, of course I need to keep it women. And of course I need to do this thing now because we're in like a really crappy time period. People are feeling down and don't know what to do with their lives. And we have a little bit more time because half of us have lost our income and our clients. And so now's the time to do this. Now is the time to bring people together when they need a community so bad. And just so you know, when I say women, I am meaning for that to be inclusive of all gender expressions. And because I realized with Empowered Performance that I was really relying on the people in the program and we were kind of using each other as a community during this time. And that was an amazing thing that we just happenstanced into at the right time. 
And so I like woke up that night and I was like, I couldn't even sleep. And I was like writing down ideas for it. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was three in the morning. Jason came out and he was like, what are you doing? I'm like, you're nuts right now. <laughs> and so that was kind of how it started. And I think it was like maybe a few days later, I reached out to everybody and said, hey, would you want to be a part of this thing? And we didn't even have a name. And it was just kind of this female, I don't know, something online. And then I think that's how it kind of came to be. Awesome. So what's your your ultimate goal with this? And um, I don't know, potential for growth, things like that. What's your ultimate goal? So the biggest thing that matters to me is that as women, I find that we are oftentimes unable to be vulnerable and be wrong. And we feel as if we need to know so much or be way up here to offer value or to put ourselves out there. Um, I think it's in general for people, but I think women, because we are so underrepresented in the industry and there aren't a lot of female mentors out there, that my mission is to really give women the courage to let go of the need to know everything because we'll never know everything and we'll always be wrong and it doesn't effing matter and allow for ourselves to just say, you know what, whatever I know now is something I can put out in the world and I can give to somebody that doesn't know it. I don't have to have every skill. I don't have to know every single biomechanical hoo-ha. I have some value and it's okay if I put my voice out there and someone disagrees with me because otherwise we'll never create leaders, female leaders in the industry. And once we have female leaders in the industry, it will elevate all of female fitness, which currently, in my opinion, is often marketed and dumbed down to us. And we're getting hit with all these stupid ideas and concepts that are just nonsense. And I want to see that kind of level, a level playing field. We can, we can hang with the elevated um, material as well. Absolutely. And I would agree completely that, I mean, we all, many of us are huge perfectionists and we don't want to say anything because we're either, we don't want to mislead anyone or we're worried about someone, you know, like a troll on, on social media, you know, calling us out and saying like, that's incorrect or whatever, but no one knows everything and everyone's experience and our perception of it, that could help someone else who's going through something. Because what I've learned personally as a coach, and I'm sure every single one of you could attest to this, like clients cues are everything. And one person might click with something and another person would not even register that. And just based on, you know, your own perceptions and experience. So I love that. And I'm so excited to be um, among you all, honestly. So Lucy, um, I see your topic is adaptability and meeting your clients where they are. How does that relate to our current environment? <laughs> yeah, well, our current environment right now is a crisis. <laughs> and it's completely throwing people's routine. It's bringing extra worry, extra anxiety, sleep disturbances, problems with families and loved ones. And it's a constraint that us and clients are not used to having. And I think as coaches, it's very important to be able to adapt to the current situation, which means adapting your services. And I want to encourage people that they can go beyond the training floor and they can do more than just give people a good training session. 
And right now, how we can adapt to people is maybe they don't need the same type of training that they were getting when they were coming in twice a week to crush a workout. They still need to move and they still need to exercise because that's really important. Uh, but what we've found is that people, like Katie said, they need support, they need community, they need connection, they need to move their bodies. So what we've done is we've created opportunities for people to jump on and connect with us more often than just like a two training sessions. So like most trainers, or I would say all trainers, move to an online platform. So the way we are adapting to their current needs right now is we added more opportunities for people to jump in. And now they don't just have to come in for one training session. They can see my business partner in the morning and do their strength training. And then they can see me in the afternoon. We added a hips and core class, which is basically a warm up. It was just like an extra opportunity for people to hop on and say hi to me. And five minutes at the end, everybody gets to catch up. Where have you been walking? Where have you been biking? What have you been doing? And then at night, they can see me again for a mindful movement class, which is basically like yoga. And we also created these small group coaching calls, which are basically accountability groups. And after this crisis is over, these are going to be great to hold people accountable to their goals and what they want. But right now, what we're seeing is people need to be held accountable to not look at the news mm -hmm. and only check Facebook for 10 minutes and only or don't go to sleep looking at your phone. So that's how, as coaches, we're able to adapt to what people are needing right now within this crisis. Awesome. Yeah, I think it is super important to be. Um, just like gentle with ourselves because I know, I mean, uh, the stress, honestly, I mean, obviously this is an extremely serious illness, but we're more so going to suffer because of all the excess, like financial stress or just like, you know, social stress that we're all feeling. And I think that all coaches and practitioners at this level should be stepping up and really just making sure that their clients are aware of the fact that like your body and your mind are so intimately connected and I think that's amazing what you guys are doing. Stacy, keeping it real in this industry. <laughs> I guess so. I've never met you until today. Nice to meet you. A few people have told me that you have an awesome personality and you're one of a kind. Um, how do you use this to motivate and educate your clients? And how do you keep it real in an industry that demands perfection, which is kind of something we were just speaking about? Yeah, so um, I don't know. I am who I am. And I guess over the years, um, I just got sick of people telling me that I was too aggressive, too intense, um, to this, to that. Uh, and I finally got okay with it. And I think that even just coming together in this group and, you know, committing to the fact that I'm going to do a presentation, which I've never done before, uh, you know, it, it comes like a lot of imposter syndrome comes up and comparing myself to the women in this room who are all amazing. Um, I think that what I do bring to the table is something different. Like I have no problem being vulnerable with a million strangers on the internet because it's comforting to me. Um, I have my own like mental health issues. And I think that we are literally the luckiest professionals in the world. Like we get to become so close to people if they see that we can be open and vulnerable with them, right? Like they're going to tell us things that they don't tell their family. They're going to tell us things that they don't tell their doctors, right? Um, I love being 
the most important part of someone's day and creating a community around that where people are excited to wake up at five o'clock in the morning, come roll around on the floor before they get all like buttoned up for their ser super serious jobs. And um, I think you can bring like the science to this. Like I'm never going to stop learning. I'm obsessed with the body. Um, you can trick people into doing the right thing, you know, um, as long as they can feel the burn and sweat and, you know, make jokes with their friends. Um, I hope that's helpful. No, that's awesome. So how you spoke a little bit about vulnerability. Um, and it sounds like you, you feel it's pretty empowering. Do you, do you ever have issues with clients that, you know, are, are maybe perfectionistic or are afraid to really put themselves out there like you are doing with your presentation for this, for example, and how do you address that? Yeah. I mean, I think that that's, uh, I created my business, um, nine years ago and I decided that I only wanted to work with women, um, be in a place where there were no mirrors, you know, we're not dressing in fancy Lululemon outfits. Uh, no one gives a fuck what you look like or what you dress like. Uh, we have like mats like on the floor. I started with literally like 10 kettlebells, a couple suspension trainers because I, I knew that if I didn't do this my way, then I was going to leave the industry altogether. Right. Um, what was the question again? Just how you, I mean, I guess how you, um, address Keep it real and be vulnerable. Right. Okay. So, and help um, clients do that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I think that by putting yourself out there initially, like they just feel comfortable, right? I see you for who you are. I, I'm going to be real with all my shit. And, and that makes other people feel comfortable. If people are like, Oh, like the size of my calves, nah, who gives a fuck? I don't care about your calves. I see you like I see you without makeup on. Like, I don't know. I'm just like not into this, like hiding. Right. I don't think there's anything to be ashamed about. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that like, we are so needed just in society with like mental health and just everything. Like, I don't know. No, just helping people appreciate what their bodies can do. Yeah, and how they want to feel like. and take care of themselves. It's not about what you look like, right? How do you want to feel, I guess? I love that. Yeah, and it sounds like you probably educate them a lot on on what they can do because you are obsessed with the human body. And so once that becomes less, it becomes less of a focus to like look a certain way or just comparing yourself to like an appearance of someone and you understand, you know, the importance of good movement. I think that I'm sure your clients learn a ton about just how healthy it is for the entire person. Yeah, one thing I wanted to add just about um, Stacy and something that I really have admired about her is just her ability to sort of connect with people. And I found that personally in my own, um, you know, my own work is that half of your job and your client base, I mean, more than half, they're going to stick with you because they like you and they relate to you. And I think that Stacy does a really good job at being like, super open about what she's gone through and, and her goals. And, and I think that people just want that sort of buddy there with them. And I think that sometimes that comes very naturally to certain clinicians and trainers and to others, it doesn't, um, it's not, it's not innate. It doesn't come naturally. So I think that Stacy can really help people, um, maybe figure out 
how they can include that more into what they're doing to be more successful overall and get their clients, you know, better outcomes because you're going to get better outcomes the, the better your relationship is with that person. So I think that's just from my opinion, how, how, uh, what Stacy can really bring to the conversation here. Well, like for me being on here, this is so fucking nerve wracking for me. Like I, this is literally the scariest thing you could ever make me do, but I'm doing it because I don't quit. Um, and, and people do need to hear this. Women need to hear this. I needed to hear this when I was freaking in my twenties and I almost left the industry altogether because like, I didn't have a female mentor, right? Like this needs to be done and I'll figure out a way to do it. Even if I'm scared. You know what I mean? Like, I think that this, for me, just being with well-spoken women, it's so, it's so intimidating for me. And I'm, I have no problem admitting that. Um, but like, it's time to step it up, you know? Absolutely. You're never going to grow if you don't challenge yourself. Yeah. I think that's an awesome <clears throat> point for sure, Stacey. Cause I was thinking about that today, how every single time that I give a lecture or I talk, it does not matter. I'm nervous. Like, even if I don't sound nervous, like inside it's hard. And, um, I think every, if I do things like the worst time period in my life or my career where I felt like almost like I wanted to quit and wasn't sure if I was even in the right situation was because I stopped challenging myself completely. I wasn't even trying to get education. I like let my husband's job take full reins and I kind of just like did like status quo because whatever reason, maybe I was just letting my fear get in the way. So like, I also before, think that, that it happens a lot with moms. It's a lot. It was around the time of having my son too, you know, yeah. and having two, it's, it's, it's like, I could easily not, you know, I mean, this is a, like with all the stuff that's going on right now, I could easily be like, okay, my husband definitely wants to divorce me right now because I'm up here trying to do this or trying to work on this presentation. But like, you know, I found a supportive partner and he knows that like my business is literally my baby. Like I started this way before I ever met him and I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to get married or have kids. Like my, my work is my life. My clients are my life. And I think that that is why, you know, people can be successful if, if this is like your thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think even if we don't have kids, women in general, like I know I have a problem with trying to just take care of everyone. And like the way that I honestly feel I have capacity to do that is because I take one hour every day to do something for myself. And that's, training, whether it's working out in a gym or going for a walk by myself, just things like that. And I think that, I mean, all of us have, are able to help clients, um, kind of empower themselves like Katie's goal, ultimately empowering women through fitness and through movement and just understanding ourselves and doing things for ourselves because we are naturally inclined to want to take care of everyone else and often neglect ourselves. All right, Jill, talking a little bit about bridging the gap between rehab and fitness. Um, you're a doctor of physical therapy. How do you bridge the gap between rehab and fitness? Um, I guess specifically for women in this, in this situation, we could talk a little bit about just clients in general, but um, I know that you have just started a diastasis course, um, which I know you actually have some, some men that are doing, taking it too, which I think is amazing. Um, and it's very unappreciated how much um, all of us can benefit from understanding diastasis and pelvic floor health a little bit more. But can you talk a little bit about how you bridge the gap for women? Uh, yeah, sure. So um, yeah, I really try to, I really try to bridge the gap in my practice. Um, 
I'm definitely more of a physical therapist, but I'm trying to create this model where trainers can sort of learn um, how to meet their clients halfway. So obviously trainers want to address, you know, strength and power and agility and speed and all these things, but how do we do that in a way that also feels really good for their body and creates longevity for their body and their health long term. So that's kind of where I'm trying to bring in more of like a rehab perspective in terms of like pain prevention with what trainers are doing in terms of reaching those, you know, athletic goals. So um, I'm doing that for everybody, but I am doing it more specifically for women too, in terms of, um, you know, the female anatomy and things that women have to deal with in the gym that men don't necessarily. Um, you're right. Men do get diastasis actually very commonly. Um, and so I'm, I am excited that they're, they're, ex they're excited about that, uh, learning more about that, but also, you know, women, they deal with, um, their, their female anatomy is different in their pelvic floor. So they deal with leaking issues and prolapse issues and, um, just need help figuring those things out because I feel that there's sort of this, I mean, I guess there's a stigma, but it's also this like, well, yeah, that just happens you know, it just happens. And, and no one's giving anybody any sort of direction on how they could manage that or maybe move differently um, with their bodies to do the same lifts and do the same things they want to do in the gym, but without the symptoms, right? So how do we, how do we bridge that gap and give people a whole picture of what they're looking for when they go to their trainer or when they go to the gym? Um, that would just the way I, I work, like when I go and work out or I'm training with somebody, I, I want, I want to feel good when I leave. I don't want to feel like crap when I walk out the door. Mm -hmm. Um, so just sort of incorporating, bridging that gap in that way. Does that answer? Yeah, totally. I actually have a couple of questions to piggyback on that. Um, so do you collaborate with personal trainers, um, that your clients are seeing, or maybe they take a hiatus from personal training while they're seeing you and, or, and, and, or. Do you see, you know, your, your physical therapy clients um, after maybe a less regular interval once they go back to working with their personal trainer? So I've, I've really over the years blended this. I used to be like very like physical therapy thinking in terms of like, oh, you're coming for a shoulder problem and I'm going to like fix your shoulder. And now, now almost everybody who walks in the door if they have a shoulder issue, the shoulder's probably going to be the last thing I look at. <laughs> okay. Mm -hmm. And the reason is that I want to look how their whole body is moving. Um, and so what I've set up is a model at my gym, at least where there's me as a physical therapist trainer. And then I have two other women who work with me. One's a PTA and a trainer and one's a trainer. And so we sort of had this model where, you know, if I've resolved somebody's pain issue, I'm going to, to, you know, have them train with one of our trainers and keep an eye on them and make sure that everybody's sort of on the same page and understands what's going on with that person. So we're really developing these relationships with people and making sure that they feel comfortable and they feel looked after and they feel like they're in a good place and that they're going to continue feeling good for years to come because we've got their back and, and we're going to continue doing what's best for them and, and watching and making sure that um, we're preventing other issues from developing because we've got like all these different eyes on them who are thinking in different ways. 
Yes, absolutely. I think it's such a such a misconception and hopefully this will change soon that PT is just for, you know, once you get injured. But honestly, like America as a whole needs to move more. And I think that if we were to see physical therapists as like capacity builders for those people that want to move more, then I mean, it should be thought of as like, almost like you go and get haircuts on a regular basis. I mean, people see chiropractors as something that they would do on a regular basis, but physical therapy to me, I mean, depending on what your job is, you know, your life, if, if you had a baby or you changed jobs to something that's more physically active, like you're going to develop weird little patterns that you don't even realize are having an impact on your physiology and your biomechanics. And then if you go and try to work out at a high level or play a sport, I mean, sure. people just need to learn more about their bodies and how they work. And I think that that's something that physical therapists, um, yeah, and and trainers I think in general, that, um, you know, phys- I'm probably going to get hate mail from this, from the APTA, but I think physical therapists have a lot to learn from trainers and strength coaches. I think that that's really where the direction needs to go. I mean, I, I, before I started doing more of this blended model, I mean, I just, people would get better when they go see a trainer. Because all of a sudden they're working their whole body and everything works together. And I think that, you know, PTs tend to get a little bit too pigeonholed on fixing this one issue and they don't look at how the rest of the kinetic chain works together. And, and strength coaches are used to that, um, that yeah. way of thinking. Um, so I think that that's really a direction that we all need to work together and sort of get away from this, like PTs do this and trainers do this and we can't collaborate or do mm-hmm. things together. And I think that that really needs to change because I mean, honestly, like, and I'm probably going to get beat up again for this, but I sometimes I don't even tell people that I'm a physical therapist because there's like this, oh well, PT and I, the PT doesn't help me, and I never like PT, and it just made me worse. And it's just it, it, you just want to be a really good movement therapist, movement trainer. You just want to get people's bodies functioning and moving better, and that's yes. really what all of our goals are. It's all we're all trying to do the same thing. We just have a little bit different knowledge base and background on, on how we're all getting to the same, the same place. Yeah. Different letters behind our names and yeah, treating, treating the body and the patient rather than like the specific joint where the symptom is, I think is key. Yeah. All right, Michelle, um, we're going to talk a little bit about creating a framework for new information to allow for development of your own model. So, um, you've pursued higher education, getting your PhD, and I believe that everyone is a student for life. Uh, what wisdom are you hoping to impart on this community? Thanks for having me, by the way. Yes, our pleasure. So my goal with this is to pr- provide a tool for personal and professional development. So whether you want to grow your business, developing your coaching skills, or learn more about various exercise modalities, uh, having a personal framework is having something to be able to add and subtract from which will greatly improve your ability to make useful information useful and meaningful to you. And that is huge because after all, continuing education or pursuing uh, lifelong learning is an avenue for growth and there's skill involved in that. You want to make sure you're, um, you're developing those skills to make the most of it because right now, especially with um, technology and, uh, kind of this vast world of information out there, especially in the fitness realm, we're experiencing information overload. So having a framework is a tool to be able to navigate through that. So it gives you the ability to know what you want to search for, 
what you want to do with it and how to make it your own so you can implement it directly. And basically my goal with this is teaching people uh, probably this tool or skills to have with learning and just every aspect of what you do, even creating um, diversity in your revenue streams. Um, my goal is to basically impart confidence in your current knowledge and practical experience um, because I think there's great value in people understanding themselves. So I want to give people tools to understand themselves, where they want to be, and then the steps to be able to get there. Um, and basically that's my goal with being in this community. And hopefully I'll be able to do that. Awesome. I love that. It's so powerful that self, like just self-reflection, self-awareness. Like, honestly, I don't feel like we can get very far without it. Um, so how did you become so self-aware? Like what's your, a little bit more about your background. I'm sure we'll hear more about this in your presentation, but just for the purpose of this little short interview. Yeah. So I think um, probably the experience that impacted me the most is actually when I met Lucy, when I went to Ben House's functional medicine retreat in Costa Rica and, uh, with like a private conversation with Ben and just a lot of the people who I'm very good friends with now, like one of my good friends is Kyle Dobbs and Lucy Hendricks, who's on this. And, uh, I remember Ben House saying, start before you think you're ready. And I think a big part of that experience and then this specific mentorship that we're doing is allowing females to have the confidence to say that my opinion matters and I can put out information based on my knowledge and experience and it can be valuable to someone else. Um, so that's something that that experience allowed me to really sit down and think about where I want to go. Uh, what type of person I am and maybe identify gaps in my personality or skills and then pursue those. So in relation to like the framework, it's literally just sitting down and writing out what's important to you or what you deem to be important in your uh, profession. And that has huge value in your ability to understand yourself. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. And things like this, like right now, I know as, as we're all socially isolated um, and having to kind of put things online, it's so easy to feel helpless and like maybe a little bit um, like we, we don't know how to bring value to people because everyone's kind of suffering in their own little isolated hole, but things like this where we can just collaborate and just maybe someone says one thing that just clicks with you and changes your mind frame like that is just incredibly valuable. And I honestly have had a couple of those moments um, today just talking to you guys. So thank you, Michelle. Absolutely. All right. And finally, Alina. Um, I know this story very well because I've been with you kind of the whole, the whole time. But let's talk a little bit about overtraining, chronic undereating, and hormonal imbalances. Um, we actually started this podcast because of everything that you've been going through with your hormones and being a competitive weightlifter in the last couple of years. Um, what are you going to be sharing in your topic um, for your presentation and how has this changed your view um, of what is a healthy female body? And honestly, like it really was the genesis to this podcast. So tell us a little bit about that. Please. Yeah. Sure. So we did start this whole podcast because I was going through some stuff and um, just needed a, some way to like let it out and de-stress and have something else to do. But 
when it go- comes to hormones overtraining and chronic like dieting, I think a lot of women don't realize um, different things that are going on inside their bodies. I think our society has put this idea on us that we have to look a certain way and it doesn't really matter how you feel and you're just supposed to be little and whether that's little and muscular or just straight up skinny, I think our society has put that view on us. Um, And I have my own story that I'm going to share in my presentation about what I went through as a competitive athlete who worked so hard, but I just didn't totally listen to my body and the signs that I was getting from my body, which caused me a lot of distress and issues. My body wasn't working for me towards the end. I had dieted for years straight, barely eating 30 grams of fat, um, and that's really low for a long period of time. Um, And then I became my own advocate when I wasn't getting the right health care that I felt I needed. I went to four doctors where I'm finally with one who's been very helpful, but you almost in, in the way that our healthcare system is set up, you have to become your own advocate to ever get results the way you want it to. And nothing is perfect. I'm still not a hundred percent yet, but I do think that I have learned so much in this process and I did have to quit being a high level Olympic weightlifter to, in order to get my body back and to get my, not even body, like the mental health aspect I was dealing with, all the symptoms I had, I had to quit my sport at the time in my career where I was just about to break it into, break into the national level. And I think it's, it's a blessing now when I look at it. And I think a lot of other women are dealing with these hormonal struggles. They might be all different ages. I do think it tends to hit people a little like in their thirties more than in their mid twenties, like it did for me, but it's something that I know that sharing will help other people understand why it's important to pay attention to your training regimen, why it's important to pay attention to how you're feeling throughout the month. And we don't always think about that stuff. Um, Yeah. As a young woman, like both you and I are under, I don't know about everybody else's age, but like we're both under 30 and like, I haven't had kids, you haven't had kids. And obviously our bodies change a ton from, you know, when we're adolescents to in our twenties to in our thirties to in our forties. And I think being proactive with your health, um, is super important for how you feel in future years, you know, like what you're doing now is what is, what is really molding your body. And that kind of like piggybacking off what Michelle was talking about, that self-awareness is imperative in order to be your own advocate. Um, yeah, I mean, it's been honestly pretty amazing to watch you grow and, um, just, you guys are bringing all these great minds together and everyone's got a different experience and different clientele with all those experiences. So, you know, there's, there's six degrees of separation, what they say, um, with people. And I think, uh, we all can just kind of help each other understand ourselves more, um, through our own experiences and through what we experience with clients and things like that. So I'm super excited to hear every single one of your hour long lectures on your specific topics. All right. So Aaron, you are going to talk about making the science of nutrition and behavior change relatable using food. A lot of what we see on social media is not necessarily based on science when it comes to nutrition. 
Um, or it is, but it's not really individualized or people assume that there's one size fits all for, for everyone for nutrition. How do you process all the misinformation and educate people through science? Definitely. Yeah. Social media is pretty inundated with a lot of um, nutrition information, uh, both good and bad. And I think for me, I just, to, to filter, I want to be the first line of filter for my clients. So I, it's my totally my responsibility to master the science, master um, all the foundations and the pathways and how to read research and how to discern. And so I totally take that on as my responsibility. Thankfully, it's one that I love. So I'm totally fine with that. And then I try to help filter. And then we find um, truths uh, or the best answers we can in across research, things that we're finding consistently in studies. And then we apply those um, based on what an individual's needs are. So everyone has very different health situations and then we can use as much evidence as we can to help, um, help them thrive. And so for me, I try to turn that into things that are relatable, like metaphors and meal ideas and simple strategies because um, simple doesn't necessarily mean easy. But thankfully, a lot of truth in health is somewhat simple. But making it easy is the hard part, actually. <laughs> so do your clients typically want to learn about nutrition or do they just want to be told what to do? I think I get both. I definitely get some people who they come into my office. I've actually had some really funny um, interactions where people come in and they, they lay it out on the line for me and they're like, listen, I hate nutrition. I don't follow any accounts on nutrition. I hate seeing it in my newsfeed. Um, so just tell me what to do. I just don't want to deal with it. And that's totally fine. Um, but then I also definitely have people who have the curiosity and they want to know, hey, what the heck is this? I mean, I think almost every morning when I open up my email, there's a few in there from clients or friends in the community. And it's like, Hey, what do you think of this? And, and we talk about it and, and sift through it together. Cool. I'm sure that's fun for you as a coach. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we are looking forward to hearing about you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. And Crystal, you're going to talk about building resiliency into your business with relationships and community. So, um, pretty much everyone is doing online right now, uh, because of COVID, but I mean, in general, it's really a, a growing realm. What tips do you have for building relationships in your business, even though everyone's business has become online? And how did you do this for your own business? And how do you keep the community feel when it's obviously a very kind of like virtual setting? Yeah. So that's a very loaded question, I feel like. So I, uh, I'll do the best I can to be very concise and quick. Um, but obviously, with the circumstances, this is a very unique situation for a lot of people. Uh, we've moved from this space where online training was kind of this nice-to-have feature to now a must-have, right? So they're, depending on the nature of your business, um, some people are transitioning maybe a little bit harder than others, right? So some people might already have a predominant um, online presence and some people might not. Um, in our case, we, we are experiencing a lot of transition from in-person uh, to this online. But most importantly, we all have something in common. And that commonality is that we're serving um, a clientele base, a community, people. And really, people just want to be and feel connected with one another. And so um, I would say most importantly, the foundation to building those relationships with your people are having a place where people feel like they can 
be included, a place where people can bond over a common interest, right? And a passion or a purpose. Um, and really, in a lot of the circumstances that are kind of presented to us today, people want to feel like they're being supported and they're safe, right? And so whether we're experiencing COVID or not, obviously there's a lot of different ways that we can uh, put foundations in place to kind of, um, I guess, continue to support this community feel, right? So um, building community is one thing. I'll talk about a couple of ways that we've done that with our business, as you've asked. Um, but also a couple of things, the community is going to help add value for your customers. Again, it's it's uh, creating a place where they're seeing a sense of normalcy that can be maintained. And it's a space where people can feel safe, can be included, and uh, really you want your clients to feel successful. So how can you use that community feel, I guess, um, to drive certain areas of engagement? So what are some new practices now that if anyone's transitioning to this online community or online setting, uh, what are some new uh, rules of engagement, right? How do we keep people engaged, accountable, and all of those things? And so those are some things that we're going to kind of be exploring together. Um, one very interesting thing that we are, we kind of noticed was that people are wanting more lifestyle uh, support in all of this. And so we've kind of asked our clients like, hey, how do you want to be supported during this time? And so we're taking exactly what they're telling us and we're adjusting our services so that we can um, adapt how they want to be served. For them to be able to recognize or for us to be able to recognize how they need to be served in, um, you know, kind of different under different circumstances has really been kind of a big perspective for us as well. And so it's just very interesting for everyone. And we'll dive into a lot of different concepts, some real tangible things that everyone can put in place. And overall, this is just a time for us to be excited about our businesses, honestly, and rethink how we're serving our clients. And so I'm really excited to bring this to you guys and um, yeah, so that's really all I've got. Awesome. Looking forward to that. It's yeah. And like you were saying, I mean, right now more than anything, it's just important for people to feel that sense of normalcy right. because we are missing things that we didn't even realize we would miss that we kind of exactly. took for granted. So it's nice to be able, it's, it's kind of cool to think about when all this is over, what's going to come out of it as far as people just sort of it's almost like they're just kind of making do, but I think it's going to stick. Like I think a lot of this online stuff is going to stick. So that's awesome. Looking forward to it. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Does anybody have any questions that they want to just put out for anyone else? Anything? Cause I know I've just been the only person allowed to talk when it's not the actual speaker. I would say that I'm, for everybody that is listening to this and thinking about signing up for it, First of all, it's free, so don't just sign up because that would be silly not to get the free information. But also know that we as a group want to hear what they need. So we're not just going to spew information at you assuming what you need. We want to create a community that we ask, what, what do you want to know? What can we, can we seek out somebody else and bring them in to talk to you about something? We're hoping that we can use our collective group to reach other women who might also want to come and provide wisdom. So it's not about all about what we know. It's about us 
joining together as a larger force to be able to tap into resources that maybe we haven't even thought about. So I wanna just encourage all the women who sign up to let us know what you want to hear about, what's gonna help you improve and elevate you in, in your current um, role in the fitness industry so that we can all move up in whatever, because everybody's business model is different, everybody's doing something different, and everybody needs, like I think it was Michelle saying, like understanding what your limitations are or what the things you don't, you aren't good at, and then trying to seek out information to help you become better at those things. Because most people either know, they either are very good at saying what they're not good at, or they're very good at saying what they're good at, but they don't necessarily have a good idea of how to do both, mm -hmm. including myself. And so I wanna generate that conversation too, so we can really make an impact. Yes, fill in the holes with other yes. people's knowledge. And what would be really helpful with that is every presentation is followed up by a Q&A. So we wanna yes. get people like really involved with what we're talking about and then how it could help them. Yeah, I'm awesome. glad you mentioned that. Thank you, everyone, for being on. And we are all looking forward to listening to um, kind of more specifically each, each one of your journeys and um, specializations and kind of learn from all, all of you. So thank you so much for being on. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Move Your Brain, Move Your Body podcast. Continue listening as we release new episodes weekly on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you have any topics you'd like us to cover, please reach out to us on Instagram at moveyourbb. Thanks for your support and for listening to our podcast.